thou, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore, thou shalt hear the word of my mouth and warn them from me. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Coming to you from an undisclosed location in Middle Tennessee and examining current events from a biblical perspective, this is Bible News Radio with your hosts, Randall and Stacy Harp. Let's go ahead and come into the show tonight with Mandisa singing the song Waymaker. Okay? Just get our hearts right so we can focus on who Jesus is. Do me a favor, share this out. It's going to be a good show, people. We're going to talk about Bible prophecy tonight. great song or what it's been it's been around for a while what do you think bareface do i think it's been around for a while do you think it's a good song yeah you do yeah i do oops i'm gonna mute this wait wait mute yeah there we go you muted i'm muted? muted we're muted all right good deal okay yeah that is it is a good song i like that it's <laughs> that it's about god i mean it's about the lord the um really really about the trinity the triune god uh when you think about all the all the attributes that are mentioned in the song and and it's good so much of modern you know contemporary christian worship music is more subjective you know, about our experience and our love and, and that kind of thing and who i am and 
something. So eh, it is it is refreshing to hear a song that's who God is. Yeah, I mean, well, modern music ignores God most of the time. It's all about who we are. In fact, it was interesting. It's just an ob observation. It's not a criticism. It's a, I'm observing. I observe people. Yeah, I do. Go ahead. Take a picture of me this way so you can see my eyeballs. <laughs> anyway, I noticed. <laughs> I noticed on the National Day of Prayer when a lot of the people who were being highlighted were praying to God, they were talking about how great they were in, in the prayer. They were talking about their identity in Christ. And, and Grant, there's nothing wrong with that if you don't make it the main focus of your Christian walk. You know, I mean, it's good to know who you are in Christ, but it's even more important to know who Christ is in you, you know. Um, and, and Yeah, and that starts with knowing who Christ is, which really is a lifelong pursuit. Right. Yeah, to make much of him. And uh, that was his whole rebuke of the disciples after his resurrection, both those on the road to Emmaus and those gathered in that room, was uh, their ignorance of Scripture, but primarily not just because they didn't know chapter and verse, because they should have known him and they should have known his suffering his death and his resurrection if they'd known the scripture so yeah anyway so what we're going to do tonight is we're going to look at a couple of different things okay i'm going to i'm going to look at a little a couple of headlines near the bottom of the hour we're going to look at the food shortage controversy thing that's happening right now and we're going to look at famine in the bible and what does the bible say about famine AKA food shortage, because that's what famine is, food and water shortage. Um, we're going to look at that for a little bit near closer to the bottom of the hour. But I wanted to pull um, a couple headlines first. And then yesterday I mentioned um, some stuff about identity theft. And, and I wanted to um, just share with you um, a couple of the news articles um, that I got here. And I, I'm going to pull this out. This is all very pertinent news anyway. And so I want to start with the article, Randall, Fearing COVID-19, Older People Alter Their Living Wills. So this story um, is over on sfgate.com, so sanfranciscogate.com. And I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm just going to read part of it. Um, I can actually just tell you the gist of it um, because... It is what it is, but but with the COVID nineteen thing, the one of the big things that has come to light is is the fact that everybody's scared of dying, right? But not everybody wants to take the time to prepare for dying. <laughs> okay, I mean we talk about preparing for dying so that you know where you're going after you die. If you're going to go to heaven or hell, you got those two choices you can pick. Uh, I opt for heaven. Uh, I think hell's worse. And I think heaven's awesome because that's where Jesus is going to be. Um, and so we talk all the time on here about how do you get to heaven? You get to heaven through Jesus Christ, right? F through receiving Jesus and what he did on the cross for you by dying for your sin because you're a rotten sinner. Just so you know. Yeah, you are. And I know you don't like hearing it. Some of you are like, right, I'm not rotten sinner. Yeah, you are. Just so you know. And once you become a Christian, then you're a saint. You're no longer a sinner. Even though I know a lot of people like to say, I'm a sinner saved by grace. Well, you may still sin, but biblically speaking, you're actually a saint. So Mother Teresa, when she died and she was sainted by the Catholic Church, that's one type of formalization of being a saint, like in the Catholic Church. But the thing is, is you're a saint biblically. Nowhere in the Word of God will you find yourself referred to as a sinner after you've been saved. In fact, just read the letters that Paul and all those guys wrote, right? Okay, so all that to say, we have to prepare for our, our, our eternity, but we also have to prepare for here, right? And a living will, simply put, you guys, is a legal document that you write, that you notarize when you're in your right mind, telling 
the hospital people basically and the loved ones in your life what do you want to have done to you should you become medically incapacitated in this life right so COVID-19 has brought that to the forefront of a lot of people and so a lot of people like say my dad for example he's in assisted living right and in this this article in particular actually targets a woman who's 91 same age as my dad if a person gets COVID-19 at that that age the likelihood of them dying from it is very high I think um, but do they want their life prolonged and if so do they want to be put on a ventilator do they want to be hooked up to a machine I mean what do they want right that's what your living will tells somebody everybody needs to have a living will if you remember the Terry Schiavo case from a couple decades back that's what that whole thing was about it was about the fact that she didn't have a living will so part of her family wanted her to stay uh you know fed through intravenous feeding and they wanted to keep her alive and then the other part of her family wanted her to die and unfortunately the part that wanted her to die ended up winning so that's what that was about so um so this article written by Judith Graham of the Washington Post says last month Minna Buck revised a document specifying her wishes should she become critically ill no intubation she wrote in large letters on the form making sure to include the day and her initials Buck 91 had been following the news about COVID-19 she knew her chances of surviving a serious bout of the illness were slim and she wanted to make sure she she wouldn't be put on a ventilator and tin and under any circumstances I don't want to put everybody through the anguish said Buck who lives in a continuing care retirement community in Denver for older adults contemplating what might happen to them during this pandemic ventilators are a fraught symbol representing a terrifying lack of personal control as well as the fearsome power of technology used for people for respiratory failure, a signature consequence of severe COVID-19, these machines pump oxygen into patients' bodies while they're in bed, typically, typically sedated with a breathing tube snaked down the windpipe known as intubation. Uh, my mom went through that when she had cancer, so I know exactly what this is. Um, and anyway, so, so the bottom line is the whole article, it's a long article. My point in bringing it up is that for all of us a membership with legal shield can take care of this for 25 dollars even if you sign up for one month to get your living will and all that stuff done you can get your will done you can get your living will done you found your power powers of attorney all that stuff with our legal shield membership you can get it done this story was on the drudge report Okay, so this is making big news, and I've actually seen quite a few stories recently, in recent weeks in particular, dealing with estate planning and living wills and how important it is. Uh, the instances of these, even within the Legal Shield network, has gone up double since this, this COVID-19 thing. The provider law firms are telling us that more people now are getting their wills done with their membership, you know, which is a good thing. It's one of the big selling points of our membership. So... I wanted to share that that's important if you don't have your living will done or your regular will done there's a huge need to get it done um, regardless of how old you are 18 on up get get it done if you're 18 years old your mom and dad legally they don't take care of you you need to get yours done if you're way older you need to get it done don't tell me that I didn't tell you you need to get it done people okay the other thing I wanted to share with you was I mentioned last night that um, that there are new things with identity theft happening. And this article um, I'm going to share with you, this is actually a, a news, a press um, release. I'm just going to read you the article. Uh, it says, identity theft on the rise during COVID-19 pandemic, according to Identity USA. This is, a this is actually a competitor of ID Shield, but I want you to hear what the competitor has to say it says here experts predict one out of every four people in the United States will be a victim of this growing crime trend as more people are working from home 
And then it says just last year, more than 167,000 people reported that a fraudulent credit card account was opened with their information. According to the FTC, the most common categories for fraud complaints were imposter scams, debt collection, and identity theft. Unfortunately, credit cards are just the tip of the iceberg. Imagine waking up one day and finding out that there's a house 2,000 miles away in your name being foreclosed or getting a call from a debt collector in the next a debt collector collector in the next state badgering you to repay a $50,000 loan that you never you never took out. It happens every single day and experts are seeing a bump because of the pandemic. It's estimated that only about 5 million people in the USA have any type of identity theft protection. Many credit cards do offer some protection but only if it's involving their card. They might be able to claw back some of the money on fraudulent charges, but they won't protect your name, your house, your credit score, and all the experts agree you need to protect yourself and your credit card company's coverage is not enough. Okay, so that's part of that article. I wanted to also share with you another article from Krebs on Security, which is a privacy website. Uh, It's a security, very popular in the identity theft world. And I want to read you this because this is interesting. And then I want to also tell you a story I heard just yesterday in, um, in my group training with other associates. One, one of the members who's also an associate, she shared in California how she was talking to one of her members and, uh, they went to, they're older and they have Medicare. They went to, uh, use their Medicare card when they went to the doctor and lo and behold, their Medicare card number had been stolen. And so this woman had been a victim of Medicare fraud, which isn't credit card fraud. So they, she had to go through this big pain in the butt thing of, of getting her Medicare number um, replaced after only having it for a year. Here's the thing. Your data is already out there. You're already been breached. Every single one of you, if you're on social media, you've already been breached. It's just a matter of time between now and when somebody is going to try to use your stuff. So listen to this. This is meant to combat ID theft, unemployment benefit letters, prompts, identity theft worries. This is on krebsonsecurity.com. It says here, millions of Americans now filing for unemployment will receive benefits via a prepaid card issued by U.S. Bank, a Minnesota-based financial institution that handles unemployment payments for more than a dozen U.S. states. Some of these unemployment applications will trigger an automatic letter from U.S. Bank to the applicant. The letters are intended to prevent identity theft, but many people are mistaking these vague missives for a notification that someone has hijacked their identity. So far this month, two Krebs on Security readers have forwarded scans of form letters they received via snail mail that mentioned an address change associated with some type of payment card, but which specified neither the entity that used the card or issued the card, nor any useful information about the card itself. So you might know that. I know this from experience, having just opened up a credit card line with someplace automatically they send you a card, uh, an e- uh, actually a letter in the mail to let you know, by the way, this was just opened up in your name. Searching for snippets of text from the letter online revealed pages of complaints from consumers who appear confused about the source and reason for the letter, with most dismissing it as either a scam or considering it a notice of attempted identity theft, and then they give a copy of what the letter looks like. Anyway, my point in sharing this with you, and you can look it up, just go to krebsonsecurity.com, that's K-R-E-B-S on security.com. Go there, you can look it up. You can look at this website, by the way, it has a ton of info. So why is this important? Because I'm trying to protect you, people. There yeah, you I am. Are. I am, I truly am. Even if I wasn't selling this, I would. I am trying to protect you because I just know from what I get on my own account from everything, with that ID shield covers that it's out there. And I happen to know because I've talked to these attorneys that are fighting this on our behalf that it's increasing. And all you got to do is Google identity theft and you will get story after story after story every single day. It is rampant. It is totally rampant. So what ID shield did recently was they actually uh, introduced enhanced privacy management. And so I wanted to share this with you. This is brand new, launched in May, and we are the only company doing this um, with 
our identity theft protection um, and stuff. So I want to I want to read you this. It says so. What do you do when your TV starts watching you back? <laughs> and they I, do. They do. ID Shield unparalleled privacy and reputation management for wherever and whenever the internet watches you back. Introducing enhanced privacy management. You do a lot online, including sur- surfing, streaming, socializing, shopping, and much more. Most of us don't want to think about it, but the reality is that your private data, identity, and reputation can be stolen with just a few simple keystrokes. Take control of your privacy. ID Shield protects your private data, identity, and reputation by helping you delete it from places where it shouldn't be. Data broker sites are huge, you guys. Uh, Spokio, MyLife, Rideris, those are just top, those are some of the, t- the three. There's others out there as well. Social media apps. Like I recently just found out Facebook has been given all my info uh, publicly recently that I didn't know about. I'm like, really? I didn't give you that thing. But they, they include, Facebook updates their stuff all the time and they don't let us know. And um, one of my privacy things had, was on that I did not know about until somebody else on Facebook posted about it. And so I had to go in and set it to block certain things. Um, But voice assistant technology like Amazon Alexa, Apple Siri, Google Assistant. Three things I don't use personally, but a lot of people do. Um, They can uh, monitor that now. Internet browsers, smart TVs, password management services, and more. So I just want to read you this. ID Shield makes protection personal. We strive to stand out in a field that often presents do-it-yourself solutions by monitoring the safety of your personal data and offering personalized one-on-one consultation for managing your privacy. Anti-bullying consultation is also something new that they've included in this. Um, and I can tell you, having been attacked online by by numerous people in the past, and even some so-called friends recently, that um, it is important that you get support. So do you know if your child's being bullied online? If he or she was, would you know what to do? ID Shield family plans help protect your children from cyberbullying with tools that help you monitor their social media accounts and alert you to language that is profane, violent, sexually explicit, drug and alcohol related. And uh, it says here in the graphic, the 2017 School Crime Supplement National Center for Education Statistics and Bureau of Justice indicates that among students ages 12 to 18 who reported being bullied at school during the school year, 15% were bullied online or by text. 60% of Americans believe it is not possible to go through daily life without having their data collected. 70% of Americans are not confident that companies would admit to misusing consumer data. That says a lot, considering that data, big data breaches like Facebook and Marriott and others, uh, they hold off letting you even know. And I will also say that ID Shield is the winner of the Cybersecurity Excellence Award. We we are the winner of that. That's very important because that's a pretty prestigious award. Uh, additional ID Shield benefits also include identity consultation and advice full-service identity restoration. We have private investigators that do that. No other service does. That's what makes us stand out. You get your alerts, you get credit monitoring, and you get 24-7 emergency access. Your privacy is your business. Protecting it is ours. And you can you can actually protect your family, up to 10 children in your family, for $30 and get everybody on that mobile app You know that we actually have, which you can secure with your fingerprint and get access and get daily alerts that they send out. I actually have five or six alerts saved just so I could show it to people when I talk to them about the service. It's very important. So know that's out there. And those of you who already have it, make sure you're going into your back office and database and you're actually updating your info and putting it in there because it's not going to be monitored unless you put it in there. And I know, I tell you it all the time. But you know what? When I go to my network meetings, you know what they say? They say, Stacy's great about educating us and keeping us on top of what we're paying for. We, I want you to use it so that you are protected. That's the bottom line. And I bring you these stories to just show you why you need it because you need to be protected. And I don't know about you, but I'd rather have somebody else take care of my headache when that does happen because it will. One in four people, one in four people it will happen to. Um, so just know that's a public service announcement for you. And if you don't have it, you can get in touch with me. Also, I wanted to share with you this story about the Gerber baby, okay? 
Now, this is just a feel-good story, in my opinion. Um, but listen to this. It says here, Precious little girl becomes the first ever adopted Gerber baby. Meet Magnolia. Precious little girl makes history as the first ever adopted Gerber baby after capturing hearts with her joyful expression and playful smile. Magnolia Earl, who turns one on Saturday, was named the winner of the 10th annual Gerber baby photo search on Friday. The adopted toddler from Ross, California, beat out 327,000 contestants to be the brand's new, the brand's new spokesbaby for 2020. Magnolia made history as the first Gerber baby to have been adopted. The little girl, girl captured the hearts of the judging panel with her joyful expression, playful smile, and warm, engaging gaze, according to the announcement. Magnolia and her family learned she had won the contest while appearing on the Today Show on Friday morning via video chat. So, there you go. <laughs> Were you able to show the picture of her? Um, maybe. Okay, well, anyway. If you want, you can yeah, go. Yeah, there you, we go. You can find, you can find it. Yeah. Um, maybe. Yeah. Let's do it this way. He'll, he'll show it to you, just so you can see. I just think this is so cute. And, you know, they there was a Down Syndrome's baby that they made the Gerber baby for a while and all that so that's magnolia isn't she cute yeah she is she beat out three hundred and twenty thousand other babies man there you go that's a special little baby there Mm -hmm. and right in time for mother's day i think that's pretty cool all right okay and now for what y'all been waiting for okay so we got we got um this morning i called up a couple of my neighbors because i had some extra bacon i wanted to give away and, um, cause we just had way too much. And what I can tell you is that, um, um, uh, what, what I, what I can tell you is that, um, I gave some bacon away to one of my friends. I had, I had two conversations, actually three conversations. So one neighbor, they only eat turkey bacon, but they were, they were told me, are you aware of the food shortage? You might need to keep this meat. And I said, yeah, I've heard about it. Yeah, but I'm not really worried. Um, and they only ate turkey bacon. That's okay. Don't mind. I can't stand turkey bacon. That's fake bacon in my opinion, but whatever. I understand. I respect people who want to eat it. No big deal. My second neighbor, I called up. I said, hey, would you like some bacon? They're like, um, yeah, of course I would. And they came, they ran right over to the house and got it. My third neighbor came down. We talked and no news came up. We just gave them some bacon too. So all that to say that, you know, people like bacon, just so you know. Um, all right. But my first neighbor, the turkey bacon person, um, <laughs> they said that their mom told them about a news article. Well, when I went to the Drudge Report, this was also on the Drudge Report. Uh, it's titled, Why Farmers Dump Food and Crops While Grocery Stores Run Dry and Americans Struggle. How COVID-19 Impacts the U.S. Farming Industry. So it says here, as the coronavirus pandemic continues to wage a silent war across the country, American farmers are being forced to pour out milk, crush eggs, toss fresh fruits and vegetables, euthanize livestock, and plow under perfectly robust conditions. Meanwhile, crops. what? Perfectly robust crops? Hmm? Does it say perfectly robust conditions? <laughs> yeah, perfectly ro robust crops. That's what I meant. I'm getting glasses Tuesday, people. I'm finally going to the eye doctor. <laughs> they they had to delay me because of this COVID-19 thing. Anyway, meanwhile, financially beleaguered Americans are lining up at food banks in unprecedented numbers. Humanitarian leaders fear a global starvation pandemic is burgeoning and grocery store shelves are sparsely filled. So what has gone wrong? I'm not going to bother reading this article because I already read it. I read it already. I'm just going to summarize what this article is about in a nutshell. And you can go read it. It's over on Fox News. Okay. So basically what's going on is that farmers are having to get rid of all their produce and all their meat and they're killing chickens and they're putting down their livestock because in the world... And in particularly, in particularly in the West, in particular, where we're at, there are two general sources of food production. There's one source that provides food to restaurants and, and you know, places where we all go to eat out. 
okay? And then the other source produces it for people who just go buy their groceries and they eat and they cook at home. Well, the statistics are so high of us eating out, you know, that when this pandemic started and they started closing us down, well, all the restaurants started to shut down. And just like we were talking about this bacon, Randall and I scored 15 pounds of bacon for 50 bucks. Not, not a bad deal. But that bacon was like supposed to go to restaurants so that they could cook with it and service all their people, right? I mean, you ever wonder where all that food comes from? The grocery, you know, they have these production lines. So there's been so much, uh, you know, this thing has shut down so much that all of those farmers that are providing all that food for that food chain are now having to get rid of it all. Meanwhile, the other food chain, which is where we're all going to get our groceries, um, is depleted. So that's why when you're going into your grocery store and you're not finding any meat, it's because there's none there because what's usually there is enough for people because half the people eat out. So now what they're having to do, now what we're having to do as a large population, 70% of people now in some areas, they're saying, are actually going to food pantries to get their food. And then a lot of it, we've had like 30 million people out of work. Right. So not only are they not going out to eat, they can't afford to go to, go to a grocery store. So there's a, a decline in consumption there, not because people don't need to eat, but they can't afford to get it from the grocery store, so they're going to food pantries and the like. So, and it's not like the you know dairy farms and say, "Hey, cows, stop producing milk." Right. <laughs> hey, <laughs> plants, stop growing. You know, um, they can't put everything on hold. The the animals and plants just can't take you know some time off. They're going to suspended animation. So, you know, what needs to happen, as, you know, is what would have to happen, I guess, not what needs to happen, what would have to happen, is a, is a radical redistribution of, of food in what's taken decades to set up, you know, distribution channels and stuff like that, have to... Unless, unless the grocery stores become food banks, but. Yeah, but you got to ask yourself the question. I think Ivan's spot on, Ivan's son over on, on YouTube. You got to ask your, yourself the question, who is behind all this mess? Well, sure. just like we talked about yesterday with uh, the whole vaccine thing and, and the, that movie Plandemic that a lot of people are watching and sending me. They're withholding the actual medication that will cure COVID, okay? It's already there. They've already, they already know what will cure it. They're not letting people have it. Instead, they're designing another vaccine that they're going to push on the population. And then, ultimately, the people that take that vaccine are, are going to be, they're going to die, ultimately, okay? Because the evildoers like Bill Gates, World Health Organization, all that, who are behind all this, they want to decrease the world's population because their ultimate goal is world domination and control. And at some point, that will happen because there's going to be a one world government, according to Bible prophecy, and there's going to be a man, the Antichrist, who's going to raise the power. He's going to step in and he's going to deceive the world. Okay. So, biblically, we know that. Jesus said that you're always going to have the poor with you. But we also know that the world is in a state that it will produce fruit. And what I mean by that is that you, it will produce food. God has never God has never made the world in a place where there's not enough food for everybody in the world. It's the people who control the food that is the problem. So in communist countries like North Korea and China, you know, they, they withhold food from their, from their people, um, because as a means of control, right? So, you know, so it's not a lack of food ever. It's lack of godly leadership and it's lack of, of, you know, people who want to actually care for other people. So, what does the Bible talk about, right? So the Bible does talk about famine 
And there's a couple of verses and, you know, obviously I'm taking these out of context. Normally I would teach stuff in context, but I want to just, you know, give you a basis for this. Um, and one of the most popular stories in the Old Testament was in Genesis. And I'm going to read it. It's in Genesis chapter 41, verses 53 to 57. This is what it says. It says, the seven years of plenty that occurred in the land of Egypt came to an end. And the seven years of famine began to come, as Joseph had said. There was a famine in all lands, but in all the land of Egypt, there was bread. When all the land of Egypt was famished, the people cried to Pharaoh for bread. Pharaoh said to all the Egyptians, go to Joseph. What he says to you, do. So when the famine had spread over all the land, Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold to the Egyptians, for the famine was severe in the land of Egypt. Moreover, all the earth came to Egypt, to Joseph, to buy grain, because the famine was severe over all the earth. So there is a complete biblical precedent. Today, if we understand scripture that when famine, there was famine in the Old Testament throughout the whole earth, and God rose up Joseph for such a time as this, just like he did Esther, right? Joseph was, you remember the story of Joseph, right? He had the coat of many colors. He was the favorite, but his, his brothers threw him. Basically, they got rid of him. They pretended he was dead. And anyway, to make a long story short, it was because of Joseph that everybody got to eat eventually. Okay. Um, so that's just one interesting story. Um, in Genesis twelve ten, it says, now there was famine in the land. So Abram went down to Egypt to sojourn there for the famine was severe in the land. Um, all right. So then in Matthew 24, um, which is one of the most popular end times Bible prophecy passages, it says, For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. Um, if you look at, um, yeah, that's verse 7. Um, so if you look at the word famine, it actually refers to hunger. It refers to the land not producing anything, right? So just as it was in the days of Noah, so it shall be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. Um, Luke twenty one eleven said there there will be great earthquakes and in various places famines and pestilences. There will be terrors and great signs from heaven. Well, in various places famines again that refers to food shortages, pestilences that refers to something like COVID nineteen. Uh, so again, there is precedence for, for this, right? Amos 8, 11 says, behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord God, when I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. So I just bring this up because the Bible talks about how there is also a famine for hearing God's word. I personally think, and this is just me, you can think what you want. But I personally think God is judging the world. Whether or not it was a mandated and done, and he's using man, evil man, to do it, I don't know, and I don't really honestly care. I look at the fruit of what's going on here. And the fruit of what's going on is that for at least my life, the last 30-something years, there's been a huge disregard for God's word in the church and definitely in the world. Um, especially in America, right? I mean, we are a defiant nation. We are a finger-flipping nation, if you know what I'm talking about, right? I mean, we we are not a godly nation. We have godly roots, and I believe God used America and ordained America to, to send the gospel worldwide um, and to get the gospel out worldwide, um, but we have strayed far <laughs> from those godly roots, just saying, um, and, and I believe that God uses judgments like this to draw people back to himself, to cause people to hunger and thirst for him, to get, to, you know, people who want to hear God's word. So, um, so that's why, you know, it's in part why we exist is, is to kind of encourage you to get in God's word. Um, <clears throat> in Amos 4, 
verses six to nine, it says, I gave you cleanness of teeth in all your cities and a lack of bread in all your places. Yet you did not return to me, declares the Lord. I also withheld the rain from you when there were yet three months to the harvest. I would send rain on one city and send no rain on another city. One field would have rain and the field on which it did not rain would wither. So two or three cities would wander to another city to drink water and would not be satisfied. Yet you did not return to me, declares the Lord. I struck you with a blight and mildew. Your many gardens and your vineyards, your fig trees and your olive trees, the locust devoured. Yet you did not return to me, declares the Lord. So the question is, if we have precedent in the Old Testament that there was famine and people didn't return to the Lord, is that possible today? Yes, it's very possible. It's very possible that this famine that it looks like we're kind of on the brink of, at least here in America, that people won't return to the Lord despite this. In fact, many will fist, you know, put their fist up at God and how dare you, you know, and they'll be all, you know, wicked in heart. In fact, Psalm 107:34 says a fruitful land into salty waste because of the evil of its inhabitants. Right. I mean, it's pretty clear, right? So, so is what's happening in America with the COVID-19 and all this stuff, is this indicator of a end time Bible prophecy that, you know, we can see that there is some precedent for it? I think so. I really do. Bareface, what do you think? Because there's, you know, I could say a lot more, but you're the man. So why don't you say something? (sighs) Yeah, um, you know, famine, biblically speaking, like you say, uh, is has always been uh, a well. Everything, everything under the sun is under God's control. Maybe not His, you know, perfect will, but certainly His permissive will. That um, we see how. God had various times in various and sundry ways mm-hmm. <laughs> has not only spoken uh, but used bad things to bring about good changes. And <clears throat> uh, you know the whole book of Revelation is that you know it's these terrible things happening. Uh, but even in the midst of those terrible things, we have the angel you know flying through the heavens proclaiming the everlasting gospel. And there's always this call to repentance through all the calamity, you know, severe mercy is what it is. And so, you know, um, this famine that you originally started with in uh, the one in Egypt, you know, that was used to basically build a large nation through which Messiah would come from instead of, um, you know, the uh, Joseph and his well, not Joseph, but Jacob and his family, you know, they they would have not fared well in the famine uh, there. And, um, you know, called Canaan or whatever, you know, went down to Egypt and flourished, uh, became, you know, hundreds of thousands of people. Uh, and it was that famine that drove them there. So... And I was thinking, of course, in Matthew 24, you know, the signs of the ends of the age. You know, there will be, you know, famines, as num- you know, long earthquakes and many things, the perilous times coming. Um, but even there, you know, those things are not there because God delights in suffering. But basically to call people to repentance and so yeah yeah so you know is is there a possibility of a global famine in our future well we know from revelation you know with a third of trees being destroyed and the i was going to read a passage from revelation chapter six all right go ahead so in revelation six verse six um it says it says this well verses five and six is um well verse five it says uh, and when he had opened the third seal, I heard the b- the beast say, come and see. And I beheld and lo, a black horse and he that sat on him had a pair of balances in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts say a measure of wheat for a penny and three measures of barley for a penny. 
and and see thou hurt not the oil and the wine. So I, the point of this particular passage, as I was studying it earlier before the show, is is that um, um, is that the the cost of food is going to be highly highly expensive. So, like for example, in Matthew twenty Matthew chapter twenty verses two to nine. Um, we see the story where um, workers were paid one denarius, which is a penny, for eight hours full of work. Um, but then it goes on to say here, it basically talks about the value of a denarius in Christ's time. Um, for example, it says here in Mark six thirty-five to 644, before Christ performed a miracle to feed at least 5,000 people, his disciples asked him whether they should go buy 200 Pennyworth uh, of bread to feed the people, so a denarii. Okay, and I actually just studied this with my Bible study I'm teaching, and so let me read this. It says, "And when the day was now far spent, his disciples came unto him and said, This is a desert place, and now the time is far past. Send them away, that they may go into the country round about and into the villages and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat." He answered and send, said unto them, "Give, give ye them to eat." And they said unto him, Shall we go and buy two hundred pennyworth of bread and give them to eat? And he said to them, How many loaves have you? Go and see. And when they knew, they said, Five and two fishes. And he commanded them to make them all sit down by companies upon the green grass. And they sat down in ranks by hundreds, fifties, by hundreds and by fifties. And when he had taken the five loaves and the two fishes, he looked up to heaven, blessed, and broke the, the loaves, gave them to his disciples to set before them. And the two fishes divided he among them all, and they did all eat and were filled. And they took up twelve baskets full of the fragments and of the fishes. And and they that did eat of the loaves were about five thousand men. It's actually closer to seven, eight thousand people, including the women and children that were also in the midst there. So, but this article says, if we divide 5,000 loaves of bread by 200 denarii, we'll find that one denarius bought 25 loaves of bread in Christ's time. Conversely, if we divide 200 denarii by 5,000 loaves of bread, we'll find that um, 0.04 denarius bought one loaf of bread. Therefore, a worker could afford to buy 25 loaves of bread after an eight-hour workday in the time of Christ, and a typical loaf of bread weighed one pound during the Roman Empire. So we'll assume that these loaves of bread weighed about a pound each. So, um, so anyway, all that to say that the cost of food is going to go way up during, during the end times. I don't think we're in Revelation 6 yet. I think that's going to come after we're out of here, personally. Um, but there is precedent for the famine. And I believe that part of that famine, if you read about famine all throughout God's word, that famine is to bring people back to the Lord. If, you know, I mean, that's what it's for. It's it's to uh. everything that, you know, people see as evil. How can God do this? Well, it's God wants us to return back to him. Yeah, in Matthew chapter 24, you know, his disciples ask, you know, when do these things, shall these things be about the destruction of the temple and, and what will be the sign of your coming? And out of that comes this, this, you know, these, all of that discourse about the, uh, about the famines and the earthquakes and wars and rumors of wars. And after all this calamity, what is the, what is the takeaway? What is the application? And verse 42 of Matthew chapter 24, it's not therefore mourn and weep. It says, no, therefore be on the alert, for you do not know which day your Lord is coming. Um, and, and that's the whole application of that. You know, be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not think he will. And being the faithful and sensible steward, the faithful and the faithful servant and that's the application of all that calamity is that we should be um not cast our faces down and mourn and weep but be looking up um uh, for his return be it in the clouds or be it to the earth yeah cool well so that that is, you know, kind of 
what I wanted to throw out. So let's see here. We got like a couple of questions or oh, comments. Oh, yeah. I wanted to um, way back uh, ah, oops, I just several minutes ago. I just kicked myself out. Ivanson said, uh, can you interview candidates of the Constitution Party? We have in the past, America's Party as well, in years past. Um, can we soon? I suppose we could. Yeah. Well, it really depends because, you know, we have limited interview time on right. the show now, so uh, I tend not to. But, but, but yes, we have. We've interviewed yeah. candidates from Constitution Party and America's Party as well. Okay. Um, hey, to Honesty Policy and Sean. Nice to see you guys. Yeah, I was telling someone just yesterday, I don't know who, but, you know, politically I consider myself a constitarian. That is, when it comes to the federal government, I would prefer that it operate according to the U.S. Constitution, which is it has not in decades, uh, close to a century. Um, well, yeah, probably over a century. It's not been the Constitutional Republic that is outlined in the Constitution, the federal government. But then on a societal level, non-governmental, you know, in a, in a um, civil sort of level, um, by, in the civil arena, Eileen Libertarian. Even though homosexuality? I don't, I don't expect sinners to behave by, like saints. But what if they say they're Christian? Well, well, that's different. That's, that's, that's not a, that's not an issue of, that's not an issue of law. That's not an issue of government. It's it's uh, an issue of uh, faithfulness to the word of God. Yeah, I don't expect homosexuals to act like believers. I mean, they they have the freedom to do what they want with their bodies, their own bodies, <laughs> and in their own lives. Um, but yeah, if they call themselves a brother or a sister. That's a whole nother issue. Then it becomes an issue of of church uh, discipline, and they they should be called to repentance. And if they don't repent, then they should be um, excommunicated, basically, based on First Corinthians chapter five. Wow, that's such hate speech. Well, don't you know that little leaven leavens the whole lump? You're such a hater. Middle-aged curmudgeon, yeah, he is. Yeah. So anyway, um, yeah, I I'm teasing Bearface. In case you don't know that, okay. I actually lost the comments that came in, um, on yeah. on uh, Periscope because my because I because the phone it came out and then I had to go back in and so I don't know what you guys were saying. So um, so here's the thing. I um, you know, we've talked about a lot today. And one of the things I just want to ask you is if you haven't donated to our show yet and you want to, you can go to BibleNewsRadio.com forward slash give and you can donate through PayPal there. <clears throat> if for some reason you'd like to donate through, through Venmo, you can also do that. Just message me. I can tell you my, my name there. Um, and just wanted to say thank you. I think tomorrow, are we doing a show tomorrow? It's Mother's Day. I mean, both of our moms are not here, so it's not going to interfere in our lives in any way. Um, but I mean, people can always catch a replay. True. I mean, we're doing three times a week, and last week we were preempted by a severe yeah. thunderstorm. Well, so, guess what? This is, and I will share this. So, we just found out today, um, that the damage that was done to our house is going to cost us almost a thousand bucks. And it's closer just, to nine. Yeah. So. It, but it, it's almost a thousand dollars. And, it's not covered by insurance because our deductible is higher well, than that. It, it probably is a claimable loss, but the deductible would be more than yeah, be more than nine hundred thirty-six dollars. So, so again, it, it'd be a wash. So this is what I was telling around. I said, "Isn't it great that that we're now incurring more debt for something we had nothing to do with?" <laughs> I mean, it's. <laughs> It's that, like we, truly that insurance, we just wipe out one thing and like something else happens. That but, insurance comes with called an act of God, by the way. Yeah, well, God must love us, right? He does. <laughs> I, mean, I know he does, but I just I just find it deep sigh, you know, kind of, I just find it like, really? 
you know. <laughs> it is what it is. It is what it is. But this, this this ain't our home. I know. This isn't our permanent address. Just but so you know. I mean, you know how quickly it is to incur another almost thousand dollars in debt because of the storm that we went through last week. I mean, it's just I have friends that have had way worse than what we had. I mean, you know, like I said. So, but anyway, so if you'd like to donate, that would help. And um, you know, if you like what we do, then keep you know those of you who already donate, thank you. But if you'd like, if you, if you have some excess you want to give us, then that would be good. We would, we would appreciate it. Unless, of course, you own an eat-in restaurant or something like that. Then yeah, yeah. Hey, we it's all different. have needs. That's the point. You know, we all have needs. I don't expect anybody to give to our show, to be honest. But yeah. when people do, I'm very appreciative, and just want to throw that out there. You know, people don't know what your needs are until you have them. And, you know, we showed pictures of our damage. It's just, I was surprised that it's going to cost that much. I'm just, I'm really thankful that our house, you know, that the roof is good. And and we don't have to replace the roof again, although that would have been a claim covered. But still, we would have had to put out a deductible for that too. But Yeah, so so even our, our friends and neighbors that suffered worse damage are going to be out just as much money with an insurance claim because they've got deductibles. So. Right. So, yeah. So, Tennessee's really been hit the Bible Belt, people. Yeah. Do you think God's trying to wake Tennessee up? Yeah. I the think cult, so. The cultural Bible Belt, yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. But he's got to love people. Yeah, he is. And um, part of me is humored by it more than anything. Um not not in a ha 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 way, but like really, <laughs> you're kidding me, right? Um, so yeah, just kind of funny. All right, so tomorrow then we're gonna do our show same time six o'clock Central Time. Um, and let me remind you if you haven't joined my text message list yet, um, you can go ahead and text Bible News the two words made into one Bible News together to three three two 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 okay and you can get on our text message list uh of course thank you for praying for us i need all the prayer i can get um as i know most of us can you guys just you know keep praying for us i really you know your prayers actually i think really do more for us than anything probably we probably don't value that i think most people don't value the prayers of other people as much as we do and by the way, I also want to ask you guys to pray for um, um, a church. Hold on just a second. I want to make sure I get the right name. I saw yesterday, unfortunately, uh, and I didn't want to make this the whole show, but yesterday it was reported that um, another young pastor committed suicide. Of, I think it was Seacoast Church. I guess 50 is young. Yeah, it says here, um, Darren Patrick of, I'm trying to find the name of the church, um, of seacoast.org. It says here on the website that um, Darren, I'm waiting for the page to load, so it's going to take a minute. I just want to read it. 50, I know, 50 is, 50 is young. I'm 51. So, hey, the older you get, the younger certain things seem. So it says here, uh, as soon as Paige decides it flips, one day it will open. So I can read it to you people. Um, it's taken what feels like eternity, huh? Yeah only about 30 seconds maybe almost a minute for this page to open up some of my local friends in networking meetings knew this pastor though um and as soon as my page loads i'll read it okay here it goes all right it says here seacoast church statement on the passing of pastor darren patrick uh, Seacoast Church today issued the following state- statement. We are saddened to announce the sudden passing of Pastor Darren Patrick. 
Darren was a loved member of the Seacoast family, the teaching team, and pastoral staff, and we are mourning his loss. Darren had a gift for teaching the word and a heart for encouraging other pastors. God allowed Seacoast to be part of Darren's story in a time when he needed a family. He was a gift to us, and we are thankful for the time the Lord gave him to us. His influence and impact cannot be measured. We are surrounding the Patrick family with our prayers and support during this time. Uh, he, see, he served as the teaching pastor at Seacoast Church and was also the founding pastor of the Journey Church in St. Louis, Missouri. He's a founding member of the Pastors Collective and the author of multiple books, including The Dude's Guide to Marriage. And then it says here, update, Darren was target shooting with a friend at the time of his death. An official cause of death has not been released, but it, but it appears to be a self-inflicted gunshot wound. No foul play is suspected. On behalf of the family, we would ask that their privacy be respected during this time and that all media requests be directed to Margaret Little. Um, anyway, and then they, they offered up a page for donations, and it looks like earlier today it was almost, they also they also met their goal, but I'll tell you right now, there's, yeah, it's, oh, they increased it. Okay, well, they were asking for $10,000 before, now it's up to 20000 um, probably because I'm going to guess he didn't have a will, um, and burial expenses are extremely explicit. He left behind four children and a wife. And, you know, he talked about how important it is to have, how important it is for pastors to have friendships when they're going through hard times. That was the theme of a lot of the last stuff he was, it was he talked about. So here was the man clearly crying out for help for himself, but nobody, nobody saw it. And now he's left behind a wife and four children without a dad, uh, right before Mother's Day. Um, so it, it is really, really heartbreaking. And so just pray for Darren Patrick's family. If you think about it, God lays that family on your heart and also the church Seacoast church, uh, because, you know, the ramifications of this are huge. I mean, what, and, 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 you know, we've already done a show about this already because it's Pastor Jared Wilson who committed suicide, um, you know, as a pastor who was reaching out to people who were suicidal. So, you know, it's a huge mixed message that these guys have given their people. And I suspect that there's going to be a lot of people who are really ticked off and a lot of people who are going to be confused and mad at God, wondering, you know, is it okay for a Christian to commit suicide and all that stuff? And the answer is no, I don't think so. I don't think it's good for anybody to commit suicide, but I think it's especially egregious when somebody who is a pastor does it um, because of the impact um, that that has on the church. And unfortunately, I think a lot of this may have to do with the COVID-19 uh, pandemic and the emotional toll that it's taken on a lot of pastors because there are a lot of pastors who are under stress right now because they can't do the job that they want and they're feeling isolated and depressed um, and, and they're not talking to people. So, um, so the enemy is real, you guys, and the Bible talks about the devil, how he comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Self-inflicted gunshot wounds are never of God. And, um, you know, so it's time for the church to, you know, rise up in grace and mercy for those left behind and supporting them. Um, because I know if I was that wife, I would be pissed. I would be royally ticked off for one. I, I mean, I'd be beyond grief, but I would be really mad as well because of the hypocrisy in that action. Um, mental illness. I don't know, but what I do know is that the enemy is out there seeking whom he wants to devour. And so don't be ignorant of those schemes. And if you're one of these people that believes you can bind Satan, stomp him under your feet and all that, you're extremely naive because he's crafty and deceptive beyond what you even think. And um, I unfortunately think that he won in this case. I'm not saying, I don't think Darren's in hell, but I, I think that how he went out, the devil had a good time with it. So on that happy note, I will say goodbye and encourage you all to be bold, stand up, go with God, people, 
read his word, immerse yourself in his word, shut your TV off, stop watching stupid video games, stop playing on your phone stupid games, get off Facebook, actually spend some time in the word and see what God's word says to encourage you. Um, because that's where your hope is going to come from. And that's where your strength is going to come from, especially if you're struggling. All right. So we'll see you tomorrow.